Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is number nine for those non-math majors. I know it's hard to count sometimes, but we're going to keep it rolling here. On the Air It Out podcast, I am Ryan the Goose Gosker, joined by Jolan Bioko, my co-host. Jolan, welcome back to the show for another exciting episode. Great to be back. A lot happening, bro. There's a lot going on, and we're going to get to all of it. We've got a lot of NFL talk, a lot of NBA talk, some NHL, some baseball, and what we're going to have is we're going to have a special interview with for you guys with Kevin Batty, the head coach at Verona High School. He is my uncle. Uh, he is the Phil Jackson in terms of rings in the state of New Jersey with high school football. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a huge interview. Also, in the next episode or in a few episodes, we're going to have an interview with the Sideline Hustle podcast creator, Drew Lieberman, who is a terrific coach and a terrific guy. He was He's a Wesleyan alum, actually, and he used to coach at Wesleyan before he started moving up the ranks and doing this, the the Sideline Hustle podcast. Again, if you have not seen it, I don't, I don't know what you're missing. And if you're a wide receiver and you haven't seen it, man, you are so far behind the eight ball. You, you are in trouble next year because that guy is a genius. Point blank, period. But let's stick to this episode. Jolan, welcome to the show. Welcome back. Let's get rolling. The NFL, there's been a lot of talk this week about top running backs in the NFL. We've had the matting ratings come out. We've had all these different discussions. Zeke has been sounding off saying he's the best running back in the league. Look at the stats. So, Jolan, there's been a lot of top five running back talk, and we want to do a special sum, but I know you got a little thing you want to talk about first. So, yeah, the, the list everyone's talking about that had Zeke popping off at first was a get-up list for top ten running backs. I think the Madden ratings, like you had mentioned, already added to the fuel. So they have a top ten coming out. It has Saquon Barkley at one, Christian McCaffrey at two, Ezekiel Elliott at three, Alvin Kamara at 4, Derrick Henry at 5, Dalvin Cook at 6, Nick Chubb at 7, Joe Mixon at 8, Josh Jacobs at 9, and Le'Veon Bell at 10. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, so we're not going to do it all. But if I had to give my top 5 and seeing this list and guys of what they did last year. And this is this is top 5 running backs based on what they did last year, but going into going the 2020 into season. Exactly, Correct. considering their teams and what their positions are. Correct. Um, I would have Saquon Barkley at one. I know it's Giants biased and just me being me. But you look at what he did last year. Yeah, he was only 18th overall in rushing, but the dude played 13 games and eclipsed 1,000 yards. And half those games you could argue he wasn't healthy for. So when healthy, people know Saquon's the most gifted back, and if the pieces match up, he could easily be the leading rusher. Um, number two, I have Christian McCaffrey. Um, Do it all in Carolina. He's going to be the guy. He's going to get tons of yards all purpose. Look to look for him in fantasy number one overall. Look for him to have a big year. Um, three, stats on live, Zeke. When that line's healthy and when they're running it through him and the offense through him, he puts up numbers. So his argument that numbers don't lie is 100% correct. Number four is a little bit of a wild card. Get up had him at seven. Um, Nick Chubb, I think, dude was uh, third last year in rushing and was leading into the last week. So he could have easily had that rushing title if Derrick Henry didn't put up a monster week. Um, but yeah, I think Nick Chubb's primed to have a good season. The Browns fixed their O-line. They have a ton of weapons to look away from Nick Chubb. So if you have to double-team OBJ or Jarvis, whoever's having a big day. Austin Hooper now is in the mix. Um, so Nick Chubb's going to have a big season. And then Derrick Henry's five. Skill set-wise, is a beast. Biggest back we've seen in a while. And if he does what he does like he did last year, he could be number one. So Derrick Henry obviously gets the respect to be in my top five. Very, what are you thinking? Very interesting list. And, uh, you know, I think people might after this start calling me Mr. Objective because I do not have Saquon Barkley as my number one running back. <laughs> I do have Christian McCaffrey. He is 
Listen, Christian McCaffrey is Carolina right now. There's a reason you can pay a running back. There's only usually one exception to the fact that you can pay a running back, and that's when you are the entire team. And he is the entire Carolina Panther team right now. They got Teddy Bridgewater. They have DJ Moore as a wide receiver. But nothing significant yet. He is their second leading receiver. It seems like he's the only face in Carolina that's returning. You got Luke Keekley out the door. You have Cam Newton out the door. Greg Olson out the door. There's no returning faces, basically. Luke Keekley was unfortunate. I will give you that. That is a huge. That's actually a bigger loss, and I think I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. But at, regardless, he is Mister Do It All. He's going to be number one in fantasy and, and all this stuff, and he should have another big year. Saquon is my second running back, and and Jolan and Prep, we talked about. You said a thousand and three rushing yards, and you said it here on the show, and I didn't believe you. I, I had to look it up for myself because it just didn't seem like he had a thousand yards, and he found a way to sneak his way in. Helps when you play Washington twice a year, but <laughs> at any time that helps. But Saquon, I just to me, it's the home run threat. He is a home run threat every single time he touches the football. Not on first down, not just on second down, not just on third down. He is a home run hitter every single time he touches the football. So, I understand the third and eight draw with Saquon in the backfield. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might actually get you eight yards, although we need to retire that play because Kevin Gilbride <laughs> brought that, and I, I have never let it down since. Regardless, Saquon Barkley is my second running back. Zeke is my third. Listen, Zeke is a guy, and you mentioned that offensive line, if he gets past the first level, he is extremely dangerous because no linebacker wants to tackle him. He's a big dude. He's got the crop top going. He's got all this other stuff. He's run over safety. He's jumping in the Salvation Army thing and, and kind of all this stuff. But what I will tell you is, and, and part of the separation, is what you have to deal with with Zeke. He did miss six games a couple of years ago. He he was throwing parties during coronavirus. Like it, It's just little things like that, that that lead me to believe that I want I want Saquon Barkley over Ezekiel Elliott. But he is no scrub. Let's, you know... Let's just make sure that's extremely clear. So I have McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke. Then I'm going to last year's leading rusher in Derrick Henry. He carried that team to the AFC Championship game, by the way. Ryan Tannehill made some nice throws, but it's a lot different when you go into the game knowing you have to make five to eight good throws in a game compared to 40. You know why? Because you have Derrick Henry back there. And the play action's wide open for Tennessee. He makes that he makes life for Ryan Tannehill extremely easy, and I hope he gave Derrick Henry some of that money before Henry got his contract because... He should very much be thanking his lucky stars he has Derek back there. So that's my fourth running back. My fifth is Dalvin Cook, and I think Dalvin Cook is a little bit underrated. They have a pretty decent offensive line in, in Minnesota, and there are recent pictures of Dalvin Cook while he's working out, and he looks yoked. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have a big year, but what I do think leads me to believe he's going to have a huge year, he's in a contract year. It's really fascinating. I think Derek Henry was in a contract year last year, and you saw what he did. Now, Dalvin Cook, I think if he can stay healthy, and that's been a big thing with him throughout his career, can he stay healthy? But if he can, I think in a contract year, he's going to have a massive year. So that's why he's my fifth running back. So just to recap, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook in that order. So to your point of Dalvin Cook, and we didn't talk about this in prep at all, but do you think they get more of an identity in the run game and rely a little less on Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 35 times a game? Absolutely. And then it, you know, and I'm sure the Twitter, is out. the Twitter trolls will tell you, well, you don't want to rely on Kirk Cousins anyway. But that's beside the point. They did get, I believe they got Justin Jefferson out of LSU in the draft. So uh, while he's not Stephon Diggs right now, he definitely has the potential to be really explosive in that offense. 
And let's not forget Adam Thielen, a guy that's often forgot about, and he's been terrific for that team, and I expect him to continue to be great. So with those weapons, with Kirk Cousins winning a road playoff game last year, I think team, you know, I think it can. I I do like that. (laughs) I think it can open up the running game and Dalvin Cook again. But, you know, that's the thing. You look at it like when you play Tennessee – Derrick Henry shouldn't rush for over 100 yards ever. Why? Because your game plan is to stunt Derrick Henry. Yeah. They, they, you know, same thing with the Cowboys. Same thing with the Giants. Like, you know, I guess maybe the Cowboys are a little bit different because they have really good wide receivers now. But the same thing with Carolina. Christian McCaffrey should not get over 200 yards in any game this season. You know why? Because he should be number one in your game plan. Now, so as some will say, well, maybe, you know, he's just too good, you know, to be beaten uh, or to be taken down like that. So... But regardless, I think Dalvin Cook has an identity in Minnesota. I think he's going to have a big year. He wants to prove it. He can't hold out because of the new CBA and just kind of how all that works. But I think he's he's down to have a good year. Now, we did talk about Zeke. Zeke was my number three running back. As well, mine. And we're going to talk about his teammate right now and the other guy that was throwing parties down there in Dallas during coronavirus. Dak Prescott. He did not come to a deal with the Cowboys. It was, from what I heard was more about contract length as opposed to contract figures, which, again, if you're a Cowboy fan, that worries you. They couldn't get from four years to five years, They couldn't, or vice versa. They couldn't budge. And if you're talking contract length, if you're wondering why a quarterback wants contract length shortened, it's because basically the CBA in a couple of years, when all the teams make more money than they have been because the NFL is rising up in stock, then the CBA is going to allow him to make more money. So he's betting on himself, in essence, want a shorter deal for as much money as he can possibly get now, and then he'll backtrack, or not backtrack, he'll progress himself um, money-wise in a couple of years and redo another contract like that. And then maybe he's got a deal like Patrick Mahomes in a few years. So it's completely understandable. And again, if if you're the team, you don't want that. That's why you want the fifth year, you know, so you can control that now. Could they put an opt-out in somewhere? I'm sure. I, I've been on this show on... And, and I don't want to get, dig too far in because, listen, he's making $31.4 million. It's not he's making pennies. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But Jerry Jones has overpaid every player at every position that has been as good as Dak has been. Listen, he might not be great against playoff teams. His numbers are there. But Jerry has overpaid everybody. Why is Dak the exception? I don't know. I don't know if Jerry knows. I don't think Dak wants to be there. I mean, his brother said he might not be a Cowboy fan much yeah, longer, on which Twitter. is And there's a reason why they didn't root for the Cowboys before Dak had got drafted, which is how Jerry's world runs. Which is absolutely fascinating. Now we're going to stay in the NFC East. And again, another thing that we want to go quick with, was the Washington football team does not have a name change yet. It is expected to come sooner rather than later. Ron Rivera apparently is making his in part making a decision about that. Speaks volumes about his leadership Correct. coming into an organization having that much cultural impact. Correct. Now, what he's not going to like is the two owners that he has previously worked for. Now, in Carolina, he worked for Jerry Richardson, and Jerry Richardson had sexual assault allegations against him and racial and said racial slurs that got I him... sold the team. He was forced to sell the team, and now he goes to Washington where they have Dan Snyder, who... Might be forced to sell the team. Historically is terrible, and, and the Washington Post article that came out about them... It's just a disaster for that franchise, and and I really do feel because I do know some good people that root for that team. I, I feel really bad for them because as much as the Giants have been dysfunctional, and and the Maras are starting to get up there in age and kind of get out of the out of the realm, 
they're still not even on the same stratosphere as Dan Snyder, and it is it it's really bad. The minority owners are selling. It, it's just a bad scenario. So I don't want to dig too too deep into that, but just know hopefully they're getting a name change soon. The franchise still just isn't trending in the right direction. Dan Snyder has also come out publicly and committed to a cultural change in there, but it's kind of hard to make a cultural change when you're the problem. That's my thoughts on it. Correct. Now, the NFL, in positive news, the NFL will be starting training camp on July 28th, which is super exciting. And Rookies report July 21st, quarterbacks and injured players report July 25th. Correct. This is, this is extremely exciting. This is good news. Here's where it's about to get really dark. Jolan, we said a couple couple episodes ago, we said that Rob Manfred had taken over as the worst commissioner in all of sports. And we said he took that title from Roger, Mr. Roger Goodell, because Roger Goodell throughout his entire career has just been mistake after mistake and, and bashing after bashing, whatever. Finally, he had an offseason where he looked like a genius. He looked terrific. Virtual draft was amazing. It was, I can't tell you how good that they made him look. Might, they might do that moving forward. I'm not going to lie to you. They might do some in person, but they might do some virtual, and I kind of like it. It gives players a chance to be with their families on draft night instead of going to a city. Like They could bring all their family into one location. Correct. But going back on now, topic. Here's what I don't like, and this is where Roger has messed up. The NFL still has no plan for, the, for safety and health protocols. To return, and they are opening July 28th, and rookies the 21st, and so on and so forth. You have had since March to get this done. This was not like, well, you know, the virus looks bad, but uh, let's just sit back and kind of, uh, you See know, how we, it don't, goes. we don't need. No, you need to be, especially as a professional sports league, you need to be developing protocols from the beginning. As if it's going to be around. That's why this pandemic has gotten so bad. Because we had no pandemic preparedness. Literally none. Let me say just one thing here about this whole thing. Because I, I was supporting Roger at the start of this. But you're right. In situations like this, um, you're the only one of the five major sports leagues that hasn't been affected. So instead of being reactive like the rest of them had to be, you could have been proactive and gotten ahead of it. Now you've delayed it, you've procrastinated, and now you're in a position where you have to be reactive. And, and it's really bad. I mean, you got J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, OBJ, Cam Newton, all these superstars in your league are going on Twitter saying, hashtag, we want to play, but they're not going to do it. Russell Wilson's wife is pregnant. Does he, is he just willing to throw? No. He needs health and safety protocols in place for him to operate. Not just him. All the guys have kids. All the guys have families. Correct. Correct. I was just using him because that was the most recent one I saw. But you had all this time to develop these protocols. Now, you want a little bit of good news? Major League Baseball came up with their health and safety protocols in about 36 to 48 hours. Now, could the NFL turn around and do that? Sure. But... Do you know how hard it is to make NFL rules apply like baseball rules? I, like, I understand. Oh, man, bro. I, I understand. But that's, that, is, that is just the one thing that, you know... But again, it's... You had all the time in the world. You were the one sports league that hasn't had a single game canceled yet outside of the preseason, but that doesn't count. And we love that they're we love that the preseason's gone. You had 24 weeks to get this done. You had 24 weeks to get it done. How could you not get it done? Roger, this is a failure on your part. Get it right. Get it done. NFL and NFLPA figure it out. We need to get back on the field. Because again, here's my thing. 
if you're willing to tell me that the league is going to shut down because of coronavirus, they're not going to play a season, listen, I wouldn't be the happiest, but I would understand. But if you're committing to play, you need health and safety protocols. You need everything in place to make sure that that season goes about as smoothly as it can because it's not going to be smooth at all. But you need it to be a little bit less bumpy than 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 something else. Then the fans aren't even being talked about either way. Like they're not even talking about protocols for the fans, half capacity, quarter capacity, all capacity, signing waivers, nothing. We at all. we have heard that the Eagles have decided to not allow fans in. That's Here, here's, I'm talking league, yeah. Right. right that's here's where I, I stand on this. And and I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, people are gonna hate this. I don't give a damn about the fans. Yeah, right I watch now. football from my couch. It's nice. There. I will watch it from my <laughs> couch. I will invite people over that don't have TV to watch the games. I do not give a damn about the fans. You know why? Because you have to get the product before you get the fans. Of course. If there's no product, there's no fans. Okay, so it's just that simple. NFL. Figure it out, get it done, be grown men, and figure it out like we like we all know you can, and get the sport back on the field like you're supposed to. Don't drop the ball this last step, Goodell. You're Correct. so close, bro. You're so close you're, to having a perfect offseason. Do not slip up now. So close. But we're going to go to a league where the commissioner is actually probably the number one commissioner in the league, and that's Adam Silver in the NBA. Now, the NBA has a snitch hotline for guys that are violating quarantine, not wearing masks, not doing what they're supposed to. Now, I personally love it because it's working. And Stephen A. Smith brought this up, and I and I actually love this point. If I was snitching on you because you were doing harm to yourself, that's one thing. In this scenario, you are snitching because you are doing harm to yourself, you are doing harm to us, you are doing harm to the league, and you are putting the league in jeopardy. Because if there is a spread... This thing could get canceled. So if it's to protect the league, I'm all for it. Now here's the thing: I'm against snitch hotlines in America. Like, oh, don't don't be a communist. Don't call on your neighbors. But that's the thing down in Orlando. They're they're not um, they don't have the same rights we do now because they're working for a private company. You're putting a multi-billion-dollar company at risk. Like I understand you should never call the the cops and your neighbors in general and stuff like that. Mind your own business. But like Ryan had said, this is a billion-dollar industry you're putting at risk. It's not just you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting a lot of people's lives, their families, everything, when you take away basketball if you want to do it like that. Yeah, and it's just, you know, again, and I think we're at the point where the adjustment period is almost over. Hey, we've just seen guys do whatever they want. Just settle in. You're growing Arguing about the food, all this kind of stuff. I think they have started to settle in. I've heard little, uh, a little less news about it. As we've continued here, but the one big piece of news that came out of the NBA this week, Jolan, and it almost gave me a heart attack, was Zion Lee leaving the bubble. Which, and and let me clarify that. That was for personal reasons. That was for family matters. So we completely understand. I only read Zion Lee's bubble, and I almost had a heart attack because he's the only reason there's 22 teams down in Orlando. That's so true. That's why the West is going down that deep. Yeah. It, he is the only reason. So... But from what I understand, they granted him a leave. He will come back to the team. I believe he is expected to play by opening uh, by opening night. He's going to have a 10-day to 14-day quarantine period when he returns, Correct. Obviously. So that might throw that up in the air. But the other thing about Zion is, and, and I actually learned this from a friend the other day, all of the year awards, so Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, all these other Most Improved Player of the Year, 
all those awards are based on pre-COVID stats. So my speculation of Zion being able to earn Rookie of the Year right now is thrown out the window, unfortunately. But he's still on the cover of 2K. But he still is on the cover of 2K. He still is. And I will stick to this. If if we if it had counted the bubble games, I, I, I'm I telling you right now, I think he would have had a good chance. He would have swung votes, it, for he sure. He absolutely would have had a chance to win Rookie of the Year, no doubt. But that is the NBA. There's no, there's not, there's not They're doing some exhibition scrimmages here and there and, and kind of getting their feet wet. The, the other league that's going to start on July 30th is the NHL. And, Joel, and I mentioned this on the last pod. NFL fans, you better be watching close. And really close. Even if you don't like hockey. It is the only sport that is comparable in terms of contact to the NFL. And it's not picture perfect. It's not totally comparison. But you know what we mean. There's contact. You better, better be watching. So that's all I got to say. Now to a sport that's going to start this week. Thursday, July 23rd. The MLB. I'm really pumped. You know, you're going to have Yankees Nationals in D.C. Opening night. Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, the... The, one, of the, good. one of the most positive things to come out of D.C. in a while. And, yeah, the Yankees look really good against the Mets in their exhibition game on Saturday. So That's they, what scares me, though. A team with that much potential like the Yankees, if they get hot, they're not getting oh, cold absolutely. in 60 games. Absolutely, no doubt. And, 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 again, I've said it before. They have the talent to make this thing a really easy run to the World Series. The big news, though, is out of the AL East, but it's not the Yankees. It's not the Red Sox. It's the Toronto Blue Jays. They were notified the other day that they will not be allowed to play baseball in Canada. because, And I'm guessing it's travel concerns. I think the Prime Minister shut it down. Yes, Canada decided, uh, get out of here, A. And they are not they are not playing in Canada. So uh, I, I think they're going to play somewhere in Buffalo, New York, somewhere up there. They could play in Hartford where the Yard Goats play, the Rockies AAA affiliate. They have some major league-type facilities and it's halfway between New York and Boston. It would be almost a perfect fit for them. So, but that that was the big news coming out of baseball. And they another round of tests of the coronavirus came back at a 0.05% positivity rate. That's phenomenal. Baseball has done clearly they've done a great job up until now. And they're going to get their season up and running. Which is a crazy turnaround for baseball, because four or five weeks ago I was saying they might not have baseball for two years. You know that what I'm is saying? that is where for them. that is where four anywhere between four and six weeks in in previous years was it goes goes by in the blink of an eye, and now so many things can change in that time. It's unbelievable, and they're back to playing baseball. It's gonna be fascinating. I can't wait to watch Jacob Degrom, Pete Alonso, and all the guys. The Yankees are gonna be fascinating. The Angels are gonna be fascinating. The Dodgers are the deepest team we may have ever seen. It's gonna be absolutely wild blitzkrieg MLB return. So. And now joining me via the telephone is my uncle Kevin Batty, who for you people that might not know him at home, he is a culinary teacher in a school in Caldwell. He is also the head football coach at Verona High School, his alma mater. He has at least, I believe, 10 championship rings uh, during his football career. He's been at Verona, Montclair, Wayne Hills, Don Bosco, anywhere and back. And I want to welcome him in for a special interview and uh, he just happens to be my uncle, too. So, Uncle Kevin, uh, welcome to the Air It Out podcast. It's good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I, I want to start and I want to give our audience a, a peek into kind of how did you get started into coaching? Did you know it right away when you were playing back in your days? Uh, did, how did you get your start in football? And kind of 
walk us through what your career has been, you know, since since the early 2000s. You know what, I started, I wasn't interested in coaching when I got out of college. Uh, I was a sociology major with a minor in criminal justice. Uh, I was going to go into law enforcement. You know, I got home and I started taking different police tests, uh, civil service exams. And I started working for a friend of mine who owned a printing company. And his two sons played at Hall Prep at the time. One was a freshman and one was a senior. And he said, listen, they need a help. They need help with the uh, freshman football team. So my comment to him was, I work till five or six. How am I going to coach? Right. And his answer to me was, I'm your boss. I'll make your hours. So I said, sure, no problem. I love to coach football. And that was it. You know, once I started coaching, as they say, you get bit. And that was it. I loved coaching. And I, t- I didn't see myself doing anything else. You know, I tried to, you know, do what I could to get into education. You know, I had worked a few jobs where I had, uh, you know, worked my, I had my own catering company, commercial catering company where I was done. So it gave me freedom to go coach. Uh, stayed back for a while. Then I got to education and I've been coaching, you know, ever since I was the head coach at Manorist High School for five years. Went to Weak Wake High School in Newark. Then went to Wayne Hills, back then to Belleville, back to Wayne. Um, I'm sorry. Belleville then. Trying to remember, it's been a long time of getting old. <laughs> went to Belleville, then I went to Don Bosco, then I went to Montclair, then I went back to Wayne Hills. I was at East Orange, and then I got the head coaching job in Verona. Right, that's a that's a pretty um, long thing, and we're going to remember that you said you were old and not me. So we're going to put that. <laughs> we're going to yeah, make sure. That's, your mother's your mother's older than me, so just remember. That. Yeah, we're going to make sure that's duly noted. But uh, I, you know, so I guess a follow up question is: is uh, you mentioned education, and then obviously the coaching. What's your favorite aspect of, of both jobs, if, if it overlaps, if not one of each? You know, I've always taken the stand and I've always had this philosophy that no matter where you're teaching, you know, whether you're a football coach, your classroom's the field, mm-hmm. the basketball court, wrestling match, or, or you know, a, a conventional classroom, which mine isn't. You know, I teach in, you know, it's culinary arts. I teach in the kitchen, but you're an educator. You know, you're teaching. You might be teaching different different things, different subject-based, but you're, you're a teacher. And, you know, you, you carry one from the other. So the one, you know, teaching in the classroom carries over teaching on the field. Absolutely. And it certainly has carried over, and, and there's been a lot of success go, uh, that you've had in your career. And, you know, I, I'm sure it's got to kill you right now in the NGSIA. News came out this past week about the Super Football Conference, which is made up of 112 teams for you people that don't know at home. They said the season's going to start October 2nd. There's going to be a six-week season and then a postseason. But here's the kicker. The postseason is going to be more like bowl games and not state title games. What is your gut reaction, your first reaction uh, to hearing that news when you heard it earlier this week? I'm glad that it it happened this year, not last year. (laughs) Because we were loaded last year, and I would have been very disappointed with that group coming back not to get a chance to play for a title. But, you know, it's hard. Uh, I feel bad for my seniors. I'm just glad that the kids that are returning had the opportunity to win the, win the sectional title and then go on and win the North Group 2 at, at MetLife. Uh, so I'm glad we got there. And at least, you know, like I said, the juniors, the seniors this year, the junior seniors, at least got that experience. You know, it's tough. Uh, it's hard to know that you're not playing for a title. You know, but I guess, you know, it's, it's a... You know, times are different right now. Nobody's ever experienced this. I hope we never have to experience this again. You know, and I also know that there's no guarantee that we're playing this fall. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. And, and people got to understand that this is if high school football comes back. Uh, and I'm sure the NJSI is well within their right to make changes if they see do fit. So 
I, you know, as somebody who won a state title, I can tell you that experience, it, it does mean a lot to you. What I do want to go into is there's a ton of terminology being thrown around right now. There's ideas and, and, and just what teams can do, what they can't do. If you could help us clarify just a little bit, what are you currently doing with your team? Are you allowed to be with the team? Kind of what is, where are you guys standing right now? Right now, we are, we're not working out right now. Our kids are working out on their own. We do a lot of stuff. Um, Google Classroom is our main platform for us. We post our strength and conditioning coach post workouts every day. You know, we'll go on uh, with our, you know, an offensive meeting, a defensive meeting, position groups to do that. The rules are very simple. Phase one, there is no football being touched. Everything's social distance, six feet apart. It's really more of a conditioning time than it would be more football related. You know, you could do steps, you could line up in formation. But like I said, they have to social distance, they have to be six feet apart. Their temperatures are taken before practice. You know, they're in what they call pods, pods of 10. You know, maximum of 10. They could be a pod of five. But the, the reason we didn't start, Brian, was that because the way that it was set up originally, the, the week of the 27th to August 3rd was going to be our non-contact period with our players. Right. Um, that was set up prior to the season or prior to this happening. You know, that was known to our parents so they could plan their vacation. And I have a lot of kids that are still going vacations local. You know, they're touching houses and they're going, or they're going to the mountain or whatever they're doing. So for us, we'd end up getting half our team there, and then we'd have to restart phase two the first week in August. Right. We made the right decision when we moved, when the season got moved back, where they said we can't start practice until September. So we're off from the end of August to the middle of September. You know, and then phase two is a little bit different. Phase two gets you more. You can do more football-related stuff. In phase one, you can't use shields. You can't use dummies. uh, You can't hit the sled. You can't use any piece of equipment. So phase two loosens it up a little bit more. So we're going to get the first two weeks in August in phase one. Then we'll go the next two weeks in phase two. I don't know if there's going to be a phase three. I think phase three will come along when we get to camp, you know, the 14th of September when we're allowed to start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think moving the season back allows them more time to just figure out what phase three will actually be and what, you know, maybe phase four is kind of moving forward and everything like that. But I, I can only imagine it's got to be tough. And, you know, speaking as an offensive lineman, you, you know, the game is full of contact. You know, they, that's the only thing you know. So doing all this stuff, I, I would have hated conditioning practices. Believe me, I did when I played. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just want to get your sense. You know, what, do you, what are your thoughts on all levels playing this year uh, and, and the likelihood of them happening, the NFL, the Power 5 schools in college football, and, and you guys at the high school level? Like, what do you think the likelihood is that you play? You know, the NFL and the Power Fives, I really think that they're going to do everything they can to play just because of the money issue. How much money is at stake if they don't play? You know, the smaller you know, smaller schools, like you've seen a lot of it now. You've seen Division Three shut down. You've seen Division Two shut down. They're all shutting down a lot. I would say 90%, if not 100% of them that I've read are shutting down. They're going to revisit in January to see if they can come back in the spring and play. I know that there is there is a proposal that seems like it's gaining a good amount of steam. If the spring, if the football season for high school gets canceled, then we will move to the spring if we can play. And it looks like the winter 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 sports will be January sixth mm-hmm. to March sixth. Okay. March first to May first 
or May, I'm sorry, March 1st to May 6th will be the fall season, and then May 1st to June 30th will be the spring. Interesting. Um, I know that there have been states, I think, believe Virginia has already pulled the trigger, but I know they're definitely going to be playing football. Right. The other day, they're going to be playing football in the spring. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, it just becomes a reality, and you know, I think it becomes a reality for those Division three programs, those smaller schools that can do that. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if I'm a Power 5 guy and I'm getting drafted this year, and they say come back for a spring season, I'm not even dreaming about it. Uh, I'm shutting that down immediately, So, because I'm headed to the draft. But, you know, again, it, it is difficult. And, and you mentioned we have, no, we have never dealt with this. We have no idea what's going to happen come the fall, come the winter, the second wave, whatever's coming down the pipe. We can't see it yet, so it is going to be fascinating. But uh, you know, you are a football coach, but in your spare time, I do know you umpire baseball. So I, I do know you do that. So I know you know a little bit about baseball. Uh, what do you expect out of the major major league baseball? Excuse me, a league that struggled to even get to this point with negotiations and everything like that. Here they are. We're a couple days out from opening day. Are you excited? What are your expectations, kind of going into baseball? You know, I'm excited to see him play and get on the field, but you know, it's it's going to be not hard to watch. You know, it's going to be uh, it'll be enjoyable to watch. It gives you a break, uh, it gives you that mental break that you can actually watch the pro baseball players playing. It's going to be hard to you know put a lot of weight in the 60 game season. You know, who wins the championship? And you know, if the Yankees win the, the World Series or the whatever championship they're going to call it, I know a lot of you know it's going to be hard. Any team that wins, somebody's going to say something about oh, it's only a 60 game season and. You know, I'm just glad they're getting out and playing. But you know, baseball is a lot different than other than you know than football and other sports. It's it's harder. You know, especially like you said, there's alignment are going face to face, and unless you're putting full shields on them, you know, it's right. hard. So, and I I retired. I, I'm officially semi-retired from umpire. Oh wow! Look at that. When I got the head coaching job, it got too much. So. Okay, I mean, you know that makes a lot of sense. And you got a family and everything like that, and uh, yeah. you know I can imagine it's busy. But yeah, Major League Baseball. You know, they went from bickering teenage kids to you know they just came out with their next round of coronavirus testing at 0.05 percent positivity rate which is fantastic that's awesome so i just want to i i have a feeling of where you're leaning on this one who do you got winning the world series this year really gotta ask come on i figured i would it's always the yankees (laughs) that sounds about right and and back to your point about the weight on the season i will tell you this i have said this on numerous occasions if the Mets win the World Series, there is no asterisk next to the season. If they don't, <laughs> the season was rigged at 60 games. It's 100% an asterisk. No doubt in my mind. That's how it works, and I'm sure that's every other fan base, too. Yeah, well, listen, if the Yankees win, there's going to be an asterisk by it. That's it. Everybody, whoever wins it, everybody's going to know it was a shortened season. So yep. Just like the strike short season. So. Yep. But, again, uh, as you mentioned, it's great to see them back on the field. And another yeah. great thing is, is getting the opportunity to talk to you. I know our listeners are going to appreciate it. We, we do appreciate all the insight you've been able to give us today, and, it, and it's really been fantastic. And we, we hope, and I, I've said this, I don't know if there's another person praying harder for football than me. I don't know what I'm going to do with my fall if there isn't. But thank you for giving us your input, and hopefully you and the Verona high school team can get a uh, season going this year. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We we do appreciate it. So that's going to do it for us. We are out of time today. Jolan, another fantastic episode. And there's just so much. And by the time we're next on here, there will be games to talk about. And I I don't know if there's a person on this earth that's as excited as I am. I, 
I'm losing sleep. I can barely sleep anymore. It's I'm just so it's like a kid on Christmas. So I hope everybody liked the content. I hope everybody enjoyed what we talked about. You can always reach out to me on my personal Twitter at Gossiker56. On Instagram, Goose on the Mic. You can always reach out to me, Joel. On where can they reach out to you and the podcast? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Good Old Joel's or on on Instagram at Joel on Bioqua. and you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or Instagram at Air It Out Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you could reach us there. And a special thank you to uh, Ray Denty making our intro and outro music. I have an interview coming out with him for something we're doing uh, together, Top Shelf Podcast. Thank you to all the guys. Ryan's about to interview. Um, we're looking up. This thing is starting to roll. Thank you guys for supporting and listening. Yeah, it is fascinating. And, and again, we want to hear we want to hear what you have to say, whether you're disappointed, whether you're happy with the podcast. Let us know. Share it on Facebook. I don't, I don't even care. Get the word out to your friends. Get it out to your relatives. Get it out to whomever you know. And again, stay tuned for our interview with Drew Lieberman here coming up in a few weeks. But Jolan, that's going to do it for us. And until next time, everybody, put it in the books.